be inspired. I think I want to be inspired to be able to live like they have to uh, the end for the glory of Jesus. Uh, so let's pray. Let's ask that uh, God's word would encourage our hearts to do just that. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for your word, uh, and your spirit that's in our hearts, your word in our hands. We pray that you would speak into our hearts to encourage us to have a big vision of you and of your world and what it means to follow the Lord Jesus uh, into eternity. And Lord, we ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Well, if I was to ask you, where would you go in the scriptures, in the Bible, to, to think about world mission? Where would you go, where would the first place you, you go to, to, uh, to, to think about God's heart for the whole world and his concern for, for people uh, of the world? I, I wonder which passage you might turn to. Uh, I'm not going to take soundings now, but I'd love to hear uh, later, come and tell me what you, where you would have gone straight to, or you might have gone to several places. I asked that question this, on, on Monday morning in our staff meeting. We had a wonderful time uh, chasing through some scriptures, uh, discussing and discovering together where God speaks of, of, of mission and, and God's heart for the world. And, uh, and the answer we came up with, where would you look uh, in the scriptures for God's mission and his heart for the world? Uh, the answer was everywhere. Because the whole of the scripture is about uh, God's heart for his world, his missionary heart. And uh, uh, we thought that make for, might make for a rather long reading if we had the, all the scriptures read. And I know many of us are waiting, uh, already tummies are rumbling for that food. And, and can I say, if you haven't signed up, you are very, very welcome to stay. Apparently there's mountains of food. So, uh, so please do stay so we can enjoy fellowship together over, uh, over this wonderful international food gathering. But um, what, we, what I thought we'd do, we, we started uh, at the end of the Bible. So I took us to Revelation 7. We've had that as our reading where history is heading. It's a glimpse of the worship of heaven. And we see, don't we, do you see that? A countless multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language gathered around the throne of God. This is multinational multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual people, all united in love for Jesus, all united in the joyful worship and praise of Jesus the Lamb. And it's a spectacular picture, and it speaks of God's heart for the world. It's the climax. It's where everything is heading. And it's been wonderful just to reflect a little bit on that this morning in our service, both hearing the languages of Psalm 67 uh, and then uh, seeing people uh, ministering in different parts of the world. Uh, in a sense, that's eloquent enough sermon to see the lives of women and men who, who've gone out, who are giving themselves uh, to, to serve God in different parts of the world, locally and, and globally, in his mission. Well, praise God for, for those people. Um, but I thought this morning we would we'd do a very little, a quick sort of, I know we've had lots of whirlwinds, we're going to have another one, uh, of a tour through the scriptures because cause all of the Bible talks about God's love for his world. Uh, and we could have started right back in the beginning in Genesis 1 verse 28, if we pop it up on the screen. Uh, God's made a wonderful creation, he said this is all very good, and then he gives the first command to, to, to men and women made in his image, and it's this, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it feels like a sort of strong word, but the idea is of stewarding the world, going out to, into all the world to bless it and to enjoy living it under God's blessing. It's always God's intention for humanity to fill the earth, living under his blessing, caring for and cultivating the world, living in harmony 
with the world and with one another and with God. That was his purpose and intention right from the start. Uh, If you know your Bible, you'll know Genesis 3, everything goes pear-shaped. Disobedience, disharmony, uh, division, distorted relationships. Uh, It climaxes in chapter 11, uh, where we see, um, of course, humanity gathering instead of spreading out. And they want to build a tower to heaven to say, let's make a name for ourselves. They're disobedient to God. Uh, My kingdom come, my will be done is the mantra of humanity. Not God's mine. And so God comes down in judgment. He confuses the language and he scatters the people across the earth. And, you know, with God in judgment, there's always mercy. And the richness of our multilingual, multicultural world is, is in part comes out of that scattering uh, across the world. But, of course, God's desire is not just to have multicultural, multilingual uh, people in rebellion against him. His desire is for people to come to know him and love him and enjoy living under his blessing. And so in Genesis 12, he calls a man. And you know his name, his name's Abraham. And he says to him, I'm gonna promise you, I'm gonna give you a land, and I'm gonna give you uh, a people, and I'm gonna bless you, and through you, here's the next one, I'm gonna bless the whole earth. All people on earth will be blessed through you. So Genesis 12, God's intention is is to bless the whole earth. Again, uh, even though it's a rebellious world. And so uh, Abraham goes about uh, creating the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel are, are created. And, and, and Psalm 67, we had read, it reminds us that, that God's intention for all peoples on earth is to find him. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. I love that verse. Because that's what God wants for the nations. Sometimes we think of, 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 of you know, sharing the good news and it's God is a God of judgment and a God who, and we've got to go out and we've got to do this sort of thingy of evangelism and sharing and mission because we have to and we don't really want to but we have to because we know that's what we're supposed to do and we're a bit worried that we might offend people or hurt people and 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 this is good news that the nations will be glad and sing for joy that is when they come to know Jesus when they come under his his blessing there'll be gladness and joy across the world and across the nations that was always God's intention And uh, we get little glimpses of that uh, in the Old Testament. For example, in 1 Kings 10, we see the Queen of Sheba coming uh, to visit King Solomon in all his splendor. And she says, wow, your God must be an amazing God because you're living in such a blessed world and and the nations get to see a little bit of that in Israel. But of course, Israel mess it up. They they can't live uh, as light for the world. And they they turn inwards on themselves, as as you know, if you know your Old Testament history, and they... Instead of their light fades. And so God in his uh, grace uh, promises beyond Israel uh, a blessing. And so uh, this is what he says through the prophets. He says, it's too small a thing just to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring you back from exile. But I'm going to make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So it's not Old Testament Israel was just about Israel, New Testament is about the world. No, it's about Old Testament Israel was always intended to to go to the world. God's purpose is always for the world. And so the servant arrives, this servant that God promises. And his name is, you're allowed to interact now, his name is the servant who God promises to come and bring the nations in. His name is? Jesus. Hallelujah. He is indeed. And uh, and so the great summary of of of, of, of God's gospel is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, the servant, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. 
affected the world, the ends of the earth. This is God's purpose. He sends Jesus into the world. And Jesus, of course, if you read the Gospels, loves people. And he doesn't have boundaries. He doesn't have cultural limits or geographical markers. He loves anybody who comes to him in humility and trust. And then Jesus goes to the cross where he gives his life for the world, where he removes the the punishment, the, 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 the sin, the darkness that separates between us and God, he removes it uh, as he carries it on the cross for himself so that the whole world can be reconciled to God. Anybody who comes to Jesus can be reconciled to God of any nation, any tribe, any language, any tongue. And then Jesus, uh, as the risen conqueror of death, says to his disciples... Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is probably the the verse that we had at the beginning and the verse that people would have maybe thought of straight away when you think of world mission. And here it is. We shouldn't miss it out on world mission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All nations. Jesus' Jesus' command. All nations to the ends of the earth. The whole world. And so God's loving heart for the world is now known as as the gospel goes out and people went out uh, to the ends of the nations and not alone because Acts 1 verse 9 says, I'll send my spirit. You'll receive power as you take it from Jerusalem, Judah, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is God's heart for the world from Genesis 1 through to uh, Jesus, through to the book of Acts. And of course all the, the New Testament epistles keep pushing us out, keep uh, uh, pointing us forward. Um, Romans is probably the greatest of the New Testament epistles. As you uh, know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've read it many times. You haven't, you should. Uh, It is complicated in some places, but it is a wonderful letter. And it's written by Paul because he's going to Spain. He needs to go to Rome to go to Spain because he wants to keep the gospel going out. He wants to keep mission going. And uh, he knows that they've got to be part of it, the Roman Christians, part of God's plan. So he says, uh, verse 10, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. He richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Old Testament. He's preaching Joel uh, to them, everyone across the world. And then he says, uh, well, he reminds them of how they and we need to be involved. So what does he say? These rhetorical questions. Next screen. Uh, How then can they call on the one they haven't believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they haven't heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's Isaiah. He's picking up. This is Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so the beautiful feet have been crisscrossing the world for the last 2,000 years. Beautiful feet, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing the love uh, that God has for his world, for all people found in Jesus. And as lives have been transformed and and continue to be transformed in in, in all corners of the world. And it takes us back to our original passage, to to Revelation chapter 7, this glimpse of heaven, where the multitude of uh, no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God and Jesus the Lamb, uh, giving him glory. It's where history's heading. And, and, and God has been doing that for the last, uh, uh, well, 2,000 years since the coming of Jesus, building his kingdom as the gospel keeps going out. And we've seen uh, nine different mission partners who are involved in that process. 
uh, in different ways of, of the gospel going out. And you see, in the huge, diverse multitude, there's something the same. There's something that unites all of, uh, of this incredibly diverse gathering in heaven. And it's that they're all wearing white robes. And we're told in verse 14 that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? Because blood normally turns white things red. And it's very hard to get out, Debbie tells me. If I cut myself and put white on white, on white sheets, it's impossible to get out. Uh, but here, Jesus' blood washes people clean. It makes people white in God's sight, cleansed, uh, righteous in his presence. Uh, these, this multitude with all their diversity, and praise God for that diversity, with all that diversity uh, are united through the blood of Jesus. Uh, I, I gather at the, the United Nations building in, in New York, um, uh, we, we kind of see some scenes where, they, where each person is in their particular place with their distinctive flags and, um, uh, and uh, where they meet in the chamber. And I gather if you go to the canteen, uh, they'll usually be sitting with people of their own uh, nation. Or if not of their own nation, of their own region, the West Africans and East Africans, Northern Europeans, uh, uh, Southern uh, Europeans, um, Americans, uh, and, and so on. Yeah, there, there's a... There's a unity, but there's a kind of separation in that unity. Uh, I think the UN is a good thing. Its aim is to, to bring the nations together. But that unity is, as we know, very fragile and superficial. It kind of contrasts with um, something I've mentioned before. I think Margaret Mead, I don't know if you know Margaret Mead. She's a, 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 she was a world-famous sociologist, anthropologist, um, not a Christian. And she went to a, a meeting of the World Council of Churches. And she saw people from all different nations and cultures, a bit like the United Nations, but they were meeting together and singing together and eating together and studying together uh, in, uh, in the context of love. And as she addressed them, she said to them, look, you are a sociological impossibility. That is, what I am seeing cannot possibly exist. But of course... She was right, because what she was seeing was something supernatural. She was seeing the church of Jesus Christ. She was seeing God's heart for the whole world that has gone out, has crisscrossed the globe, as the good news have gone, as beautiful feet have gone. Uh, Jesus uh, uniting people, grounding his blood, people of every tribe and culture and language and tongue. And friends, we're part of this glorious church of Jesus Christ. We are part of that church. And sometimes we feel a bit small, maybe. You feel a bit feeble in the culture in which we're in, in which we see the statistics and they're falling off a cliff in terms of church attendance, in terms of, uh, uh, of faith. And, and sometimes we might feel a bit small and a bit feeble and maybe sometimes a little bit irrelevant uh, to our world. And yet, brothers and sisters, we are part of God's glorious church. And you go to other parts of Africa and Asia and Latin America and you will see a church growing exponentially, flourishing, people's lives being transformed and changed. And friends, let's pray that that might come here, back to this nation and back to our church here, that God would move in wonderful ways to, to bring people back as we uh, share the good news, as our feet are beautiful. Um, but whatever it feels like, we are part of this global church, this glorious church, if we've come to know Jesus. God's heart for the, the whole world and he wants us to reflect his heart as we have a passion for the whole world. 
How should we do that? Very briefly, four things. Uh, we want to be able to pray. Not just be able to pray. We want to pray. Pray that our, uh, for our mission partners. We're trying to do that together each week, each Sunday. There's a different mission partner. You may have noticed that in, in our intercessions. Let's be praying. Some of the home groups have adopted a mission partner, particularly to pray for. Uh, if you haven't yet, you might want to do that as a home group. Uh, come to Boiler Room every month. We pray for a different mission partner. Uh, so we're concerted in our praying. And you can pray too uh, on your own. Uh, remember that flyer that has some uh, uh, lists on. If you want to get a prayer email or a prayer update, you can do that. Just request that from myself or from the office. Uh, we'll put you onto a mailing so you can pray for God's world to reflect God's heart as we pray for our mission partners. Uh, you can give. Uh, our mission partners need financial support as they do their ministry as they give themselves uh, to that. And as a church, we're aiming towards giving 10% of our income. Everything that we receive as a church, we want to be able to give at least 10% of that to support our mission partners uh, around the world. So as you give generously to God's work in the church, you're not doing it just to keep the heating and the lighting on. You are doing it to, to be reflecting God's heart for the world as uh, money is given to our mission partners to support that work. Uh, don't forget to keep eating cake, by the way, on the first Sunday of the month, because all of that goes to, to our mission partners. Uh, we need to pray, we need to give, we need to, to love. Uh, we want people, including our mission partners, to know that they're loved, know that we know them and we, we love them. Uh, we could write to them. Have you ever written to Beryl? You might even want to write a note to say, Beryl, we heard about you today, we saw your little greeting. Uh, we love you and we want to pray for you, I'm praying for you. Uh, we, we could, with some prior notice, visit. I don't know if you've ever been. Maybe you could tie it in with a holiday. Go to South Africa, see some beautiful South Africa and, and go to Johannesburg Bible College at the same time and, and see Nat and the Schluters and say, hey, we're just praying for you. We love you. Uh, certainly when they come and visit, let's, let's love our, our partners and, and those uh, we want to support. And uh, uh, I say Open Doors has a special section where you can write to persecuted Christians. Go on their website, have a look. See, you could write a letter. To, serve, to a persecuted Christian, someone in prison, to say we're praying for you. And lastly, uh, pray, give, love, and bet you're waiting for this, go. Now, I'm not expecting necessarily uh, you to, to give up all you're doing normally and, and go into full-time Christian ministry or, or go overseas and get on a boat or a plane. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that is what God is calling you to. And if you think that maybe that's something that God is calling you to, I don't want you to let that go. I'd love to talk to you about that. Certainly as a World Mission Committee, we'd love to chat through and discern and pray with you. Maybe that someone has been called into full time. I know over the years, many have gone from here into different parts of the world and to different ministries. But even if it's, that's not for, for you, of course, uh, most of us, when we think about God's heart for the world, we're not to think of the far-flung areas of the world. We're to think of across the street rather than across the globe, across the, the office, across the kitchen table at home maybe, uh, the people we know and love who God loves and his heart is full of love for them. How are we going to be called to go to them? Well, look, we, we've uh, really stopped because lunch is coming, international lunch, and, uh, and so the musicians are going to come up Let's just have a moment as they come, just to respond quietly in our hearts. How is God calling you to reflect his heart by your heart for the world? Maybe there's one or two who haven't come to put your trust in Jesus. 
you're not one of those nations uh, who are glad and singing for joy because you've come to know Jesus. It may be even this morning he wants you to open your heart to him. Emma's just going to play quietly for a moment or two. Quietly, let's respond. And then together we'll respond in a moment in song.